Hello and welcome to another edition of Teaching Restored, where we teach and we talk about how to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm Kevin Jones. I'm Julie Hilliard. And we are excited because so many things are happening with Teaching Restored, and we're going to be interviewing some incredible people soon. And um, I don't know. It's just, I'm excited about it. Me some, too. Like, I'm seriously excited about it. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. But for today, for this episode right here, Julie had quite an experience with some missionaries and talking about questions. So I'm going to let you take over and talk about this, Julie. Okay, except that when you start by saying we're really excited to interview some people and then you say, but for today, it felt like wah, wah, <laughs> Julie. Sorry, everyone. Wow, so I'm that's, sorry. Until, until the exciting things come, we'll let Julie talk. Just until then. Oh, it's, my it's goodness. A, I am sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I don't actually feel like you feel that way. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. Yeah, because I don't. I don't at all. I might, I might feel that way a little bit, though. But hopefully, hopefully, because of your insights, we're going to have an awesome discussion today. Well, when you told me what you're going to talk about, I was like, I put my stuff away. Forget it. I want to I want to hear what you're talking about. I want, I want this, this discussion I think, here. I think this is the first time I've actually told you what we're going to talk about before we talk. I think so. I even said, what are you what were you going to talk about? And you said, I'm not going to tell you because right. we literally <laughs> don't tell each other before we start. It's right. pretty awesome. Okay, but I did prep Kevin just a little bit today because recently um, I had the opportunity to go and train all the missionaries in the Vancouver, Washington mission. And we actually had an ice storm. So I have to tell this story really fast because it's kind of funny. So we had a big ice storm. And if you live anywhere except in the Northwest, you'd be like, storm? So? Like, who cares? But in the Northwest, even a smidgen of snow can like shut down the city. Well, imagine when you have an ice storm and literally we had like a half an inch of ice covering everything. And our street was completely covered in ice and not navigable. And so my husband actually crashed his Jeep last year trying to drive in the ice. So he's a little traumatized, but he's like, okay, I'm going to go take the Jeep, which is repaired and try and get out of the neighborhood because I had to go speak at these zone conferences. And so he goes and gets, he manages to get out, but he gets to the top of our hill and there are all these cars that have like slid off and stuff. And he's like, nope, you're not going, nope, you can't, nope, you're not driving. And so I strapped on crampons and my dress and my cute stylish boots, not just hiking boots and a backpack with all my stuff. And I hiked out of my neighborhood in crampons and met somebody where the street was navigable to get a ride to zone conference. Oh, that's how committed I was to teaching the missionaries. And I won't ever forget (laughs) it. That is commitment. It was fun. It was so fun. It actually made it even a little bit more exciting because I could be like, yeah, like I hiked out um, in crampons through the ice and I felt really tough and cool and all those things. Well, you are. Um, it was worth it though, because I had such neat. a good experience. Okay, so is it not true that you, if you know you're going to teach something, you learn better, period, right? Yes, that is very true. So have you ever had the experience of when you are teaching something, you're kind of going, oh, 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 wow, oh, wow. And you're actually, while you're teaching, learning more. Yes. Yes. I okay, love I those times. Me too. So here's the truth though. 
I had two zone conferences because the mission was divided in two. I did terrible at the first one. And I <laughs> okay. learned a lot. From define that. terrible, please. Seriously. So I will define it actually. So I got there and I realized that I had way over prepared. And mm. I ended up so the topic that I was speaking about was how to use questions in teaching as a missionary. And you're the pro at this topic, and yet I was the person who was speaking. So I felt kind of stupid. And I called Kevin and was like, you got to help me out. You got to help me prep for this. And I want to talk a little bit about that experience. But then I got there and I realized that I had put a little bit too much emphasis on maybe some of the wrong things and that the mm. best way to teach is to give someone an experience with what you're teaching. Now, wait, in a podcast, wait, wait. What? What? say what? that, say that sentence again. So the best way to help people learn something is to give them an experience with it. And you can do that while you're teaching. I love that. So it's kind of hard to do in a podcast form, but I kind of want to try and do it today okay. because as I was tried, so the first zone conference, I did not give them enough time to have an experience with it. At the second one, I did a much better job and I felt like the learning was so much more rich. I did not get through as much content, but I really felt great about what I got through. And I'm sure that people can relate. Yeah. Sometimes you have a huge mm -hmm. amount of content and you get through very little, but you got through the right thing yes. and you gave them an experience with it. And that as a teacher is really hard to do because you have so much that you want that you've prepped, right? That you want right. to go through and study. So let's kind of set aside um, how I didn't do a great job on the first one. And let's try and follow the pattern for the second one a little bit Very better. Very nice. Tell us and about this. Okay. So one, when I said that I learned more through teaching, some of the questions that the missionaries asked me were fantastic. So here I am teaching about questions. And then they asked me questions that actually helped me to teach myself some new things. I, this is not a riddle, though. I feel like I'm almost talking in a riddle. Um, so let me kind of walk you through some of what I learned. And then what I'd like to do is help us have an experience with this. Um, so the topic again was questions. And I specifically wanted to talk about how to ask good questions in teaching so that the person you are teaching in this in a missionary setting specifically is actually teaching themselves. So through their answers, they are having an experience in teaching themselves. And so I wanted to help the missionaries understand different types of questions so that they could do that effectively. And then when someone is having an experience, right? Meaning you've asked them specifically and we've gone over the different types of questions before. So hopefully this is a familiar term. When you are asking them an introspective question, specifically the importance of listening with empathy to that response so that they can have an experience with the spirit and so that they feel like you really genuinely aren't trying to manipulate them, aren't trying to even manipulate their emotions, but actually see things, you see things from their perspective so that they feel safe sharing even more. And so the role of asking good questions absolutely has to be coupled with the skill of being empathic 
when they give you a vulnerable, authentic answer to that question. Right. Right. Yes. So that was the topic. Now, I want to go back and I want to have, so most of the people who are listening to this are in some way, shape or form, a teacher, even if it's teaching your kids. Mm -hmm. So um, I taught the different types of questions by way of review. We've got binary questions, which are like a yes or a no question. You've got a factual question where there is actually kind of an answer to it, right? Right. And you want, and it can even be what something is from that person's perspective, but it's not necessarily trying to really get at their thoughts and opinion about something. It's kind of looking for an answer and to gauge understanding. And then the third is an informant. Uh, Explanatory. Explanatory question. Oh my gosh. See, I, why do I do this? It's so bad. I do it too. I know. Question. I know. It's so dumb. And the explanatory question is getting at their opinion, their thoughts about something. My way of summarizing it is getting what is in their head out their mouth. And then an introspective question is getting at what's in their heart out their mouth. And so I taught the missionaries the different types of questions, gave them examples of each one. And then I'm like, so why does it matter? So Kevin, why? So who cares if I can label the questions? Why do we need to know? How does it help us to know what type of questions there are to ask or what type of questions we're asking? So you ask this of them. What? Why does no, it matter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, so why does it even <clears throat> matter? And then they actually asked it back to me because they're like, oh, I don't know. So I'm going to ask you. I'll tell you what my answer was in a minute, but I want to know what your okay. thoughts are. Like you teach this. Who gives a rip? Mm -hmm. Like, so what if you can label the question? Right. Why does it matter? When you can dive in and label a question, and well, I really, I take this generically. If you right. can take any topic and kind of break it apart and label each part, suddenly you understand the role each part plays and that, and that they, they are different. It isn't just, for example, if we going back to questions itself, a lot of people think that there are closed-ended and open-ended questions, and that's right. it. Right? That's what most people would say. But when you dive in and take the open-ended and break that apart and realize that there are you use specific questions at specific times and specific ways for different results, then you can more effectively teach. You can more effectively ask the proper questions at the right times and engage more, bring the spirit in more. I mean, there's, there's so many different things that you can do with it. Um, so that, that's the answer I'll give. Okay, so different types of questions elicit different types of responses, right? Right. And they serve different purposes. And your ability to understand, like if you understand that better, you can literally understand the topic better almost. Yes. That you're teaching about. Yes. Okay, I totally, I totally agree with that. However, so I want to push on that just a little bit. Can't it confuse you more to analyze it like as you're going through and you yourself are trying to ask questions do you ever start getting tripped up because you're focusing on what type of question you're asking i don't um because you know it inside and out okay normal humans kevin normal humans do normal humans <laughs> get tripped up if well, they start I, to I would, think about it too much. Yeah, I would, I would say I would hope not because 
the the point isn't to say I'm going to ask a an introspective question right here. It's it's almost more of a flow thing for me to where okay. it's okay. This it kind of naturally comes into this, but if I know how if I identify it and use it, it it becomes more effective just by knowing the difference, if nothing else. Um, okay. So I don't know if that's where you're going or or if that helps at all. But I could see how some people would say, okay, I mean, if we take it too literally, all right, now I have to ask a factual question. Now I have to ask, no, no, you don't. It, we need right. to back off from that, right? And that's good to know, but back off and let it flow more. So that's what I'm going with. Okay. So that's kind of where I landed. So I started teaching them these and they almost feel sequential, like they build on each other. Like you can sure. very naturally ask a binary question and be like, well, you know, does that make sense to you? Yes or no? Well, tell me what you understood. And then mm -hmm. that's kind of like getting at a factual question. Okay, so what do you think da, 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 that, what do you think that could mean if you're in the situation? That's an explanatory question. Now, what about for you? And then, and you could almost get a little bit attached to the fact that they're linear. And right. what I realized is you kind of have to go like this a little bit. And what happens naturally, right? So yes. what is the most natural question to ask? And because I'm a very linear sequence person, like I love stability, I love to be able to put things in order and understand them in a linear way. I actually had to talk myself out of doing that when it comes to these questions. So my response to the missionaries was similar to yours, but it was also a little bit different. I said that part of why you want to understand this is because of the fact that you can use that knowledge to improve your questions. So for example, I'm really good when I'm teaching at asking factual questions. And a lot of people do. And mm -hmm. you're sitting there going, well, that answer is kind of obvious. And then you feel dumb raising your hand. Like if you're in a class where they do a great job of just asking factual questions, you're like, okay, they're leading me. They're leading me somewhere. And you sense it, right? Yeah. And right. so I will think in my mind, I don't want them to feel like I'm leading them to a specific place. I actually want them to feel like we're on a journey together. And so I can use it to say, okay, my teaching style, the way that I want to teach is more to facilitate a discussion, but I'm not going to march ahead and say, now fall in line, chickens. Instead, I want to be marching together and having an experience together. That's how I like to teach. That's great. And so if I find myself doing a little bit too much of that, I can now, because I understand the different types of questions, say, it's because I'm asking too many factual questions. Mm -hmm. They feel like I'm trying to take them to, oh, a specific answer. So any other answer is going to be wrong. So I'm not going to be quite as engaged because I don't know if I'm going to get the right answer. That's Does that good. make sense? Yes. Yes. Do you want to build on that at all? I sense that you had something to say. Yeah. So I, I, I totally understand that. And I totally get where you're coming from. I'm going to add something, a different perspective maybe, because... I hadn't quite thought of it like that. Um, when when you see it, when you're talking to someone and they're giving just factual answers, and I think this actually just meshes with what you're saying. When they're giving factual answers and you can recognize that as only factual answers and they're engaging this much, yes. and then you realize, oh, they need to, I need to help them get engaged much more than, if you continue to ask factual questions, you're not going to get any deeper. 
Yep, you have to go get. deeper and how to ask the questions to get the deeper. So yeah, I, it, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, but looking at, looking at it from the perspective of the engagement of the people, recognizing their engagement and realizing, no, 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 I want to get to their heart. I don't want to just get to the, they're just answering on the surface level. I need to get deeper. So by asking the different types of questions, you can get there. Okay, exactly. So when I was using that example of kind of a factual question, part of that, that's where it kind of became clear to me that no, if I want people to go deeper, I have to ask a deeper question and that's on me. Like if we want to have a deeper, more kind of heart discussion, we have to understand the different types of questions because we can be like, well, why? Like I've, I've been there before where I'm like, why am I not getting the type of engagement that I really, really want? And right. honestly, I a hundred percent in hindsight could track it back to the types of questions that I'm asking. Hmm. And so recognizing that going into a lesson, that's the power of these questions. And so I said to the missionaries, you know, you can spend all the time in the world preparing to teach a principle and articulate it well, but it's more important that you actually figure out how to help them articulate it. And you do that by asking questions. Nobody gives you a medal for being able to say something well and have really great words to put to it. And wow, you explained that so clearly. No, the feeling that you get when someone else explains it to you, that, I mean, that there that is the crowning event of being a teacher. That is like, yes, that, thank yes. you. That's how you know you've been successful. Yes, And absolutely. so that's the purpose of being able to ask questions that get deeper. Now, part of what I just related, that example is kind of, being able to get somebody to articulate something back to you is gauging understanding. Mm -hmm. So you can teach something, but you don't have the opportunity to gauge their understanding until you start asking questions. And there's a specific type of question for that. Mm -hmm. Next level, you don't have the ability to start gauging whether or not they understand how that applies to them until you get to the next level of question. And you don't have the opportunity to help them have an experience with the spirit until you get to the next level of questions. And that serves that, that purpose. That's and so that, well said. that was really kind of insightful to me because I can teach all of this to these missionaries. And then I'm like, now go have fun teaching, prepare your questions before you go. And <laughs> no, that's not what I wanted. So let me tell you really quickly before we start to kind of have an experience with it. Um, the second, there's another question that I got from them. So I got that question, you know, how do you use them and blah, blah, blah. But this, this other question was, I thought really great. So she, it was one of the sisters asked me, how do you do this? So they don't feel like it's an interrogation. Mm. So I have my answer to that because it, and it actually really, I thought about that. And then I said to her, let me model asking the questions that I just, you know, shared with you. And I want you to tell me how you feel. And so we had a little bit of an experience with it. So what, what would your answer to that be? And then I want to tell you what I did. So let me, let me get this clear. First off, when she asked this question, how do you make it so that you don't, it, they don't feel like you're interrogating them? You said, instead of answering her, you went and modeled it. You said, 
let me show you kind of how that might work rather and than telling her. Specific. Yes. And I did something very specific. So I, I gave her an experience with it. Yes. I can see where you're getting. Tell me though, what, what would you have done? Like, how would you have responded and what would you have done? Oh, that's a good, I don't know right off the top of my head. Um, If I were just going to respond, I think I would say something along the lines of, by asking the questions, you're trying to get them to have it come from within and they almost enlighten themselves. And, the, and it's really the spirit that it enlightens them. But really, if you're, if it's like a factual question, and if you're asking so many factual questions over and over again, it's obvious that you're leading them somewhere, right? And right. then they can they can go, okay, next step is this, next step is this. But right, if you right. get into the uh, introspective questions, then they start almost leading where it goes because of their thoughts and their feelings. So that's, okay. that's how I initially would respond. But I wanna hear so this. It feels less like an interrogation if you can get them get to the point where they can respond with their thoughts and their feelings, right? Yeah, because it's it's about them and they're really kind of creating the, you know, the content, if you want to call it that. Yeah. They're creating it and you're just responding to that. So in a way, it's no longer an interrogation because they're leading the discussion at that point. Okay. How though? do you make it so that they feel like they're leading the discussion versus you're asking questions and they're responding? I don't know. What's you tell me. I'm excited okay. to hear about this. I want to, I want to hear this. This was one of my kind of aha moments, right? It has everything to do with responding empathically. So when I asked these questions, so I literally went through a series of questions and as I asked her the questions, instead of just moving on and answering, like she would answer it and I'd be like, yeah, great. And then move on. Mm -hmm. I would repeat back what I heard that person say. So in this case, the sister. And so she would give me an answer and I'd be like, oh, so da 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 And I would repeat it back, not verbatim, but kind of like summarizing what she had just said. And so she could then correct me if I said it wrong, mm. add to it if she felt like adding to it, but it didn't feel like all I was trying to do was get to the next question. And sometimes when we ask a question, even in a class, I've had people do this and it absolutely like, it's, it's almost, it's weird, the experience that you have as a learner in a class when you give an answer and then the teacher just moves on to the next question right. or to their yes. next point, right? And so even just the slightest acknowledgement of your response helps. Sometimes we acknowledge a response though with, oh, that's excellent or that's awesome. And it feels like we're saying, good, you gave me the answer I wanted. Where if you repeat back what you heard them say or summarize what you heard them say, it feels like you're saying, yeah, I heard you. Like I'm trying to see this from your perspective. I'm not interrogating you. I'm actually trying to learn your heart. I'm trying to learn your mind. And so answering with the skill, using the skill of empathy as you respond to their answers helps it feel less like an interrogation and more like, hey, we're having an experience together. My experience is not trying to convince you of a gospel truth. 
my experience is that I'm trying to understand what you see and I want to experience what you see with you. Do you see the difference? Yes. Very good and example so, of that. And so when she and I, when I did this, I just responded each time and I'd be like, oh, so you definitely think that da 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 da, or you would interpret that as da da, or, you know, oh, and I, I mean, it can be as natural as, and I'm, I rather than take the time to go through a whole series of questions, I, I literally sometimes could just take a couple words that she said and make sure that I just got those two words, maybe a feeling word or um, a descriptive word and kind of latched onto that and made sure, oh, so you thought it was this and this, you know, and then I kept moving and she could correct me again if I was wrong. Right. And so I noticed that as I, for example, did that in this little interaction, I actually went through and did a binary question, a factual question. I went through the sequence because I was modeling the types of questions that we ended up stopping on the explanatory question before we even got to the introspective question and chatting about it for a second. Mm. And that's, that's exactly what you want. You want to talk about what they want to talk about, not yes. what you want to talk about. Wait, so, so, so that sentence right there, I think is so enlightening because that isn't often seen as the role of the teacher. The, the role of the teacher often, right. you know, connotatively is I'm going to teach you rather than trying to get into their experience and experience it with them and trying yeah. to learn with them rather than at them in a way. Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly trying to learn with them. So that again, goes back to my thing. Our students are not chicks that we want to follow behind us and we lead them to a specific place. Instead, we want to experience it together. Now, do you hold the map? Yes, you hold the map. And so you can say, I actually sometimes will come to class with way too much prepared and I'll say, we're gonna have a choose your own adventure today. And so I got too much. I wanna know what you wanna talk about. Here are your choices. Or, hey, let's start talking and then we're going to go wherever you want to go. That's mm -hmm. actually part of, and we've discussed this quite a bit before, that's that's a big part of listening to the spirit. The spirit yes. is going to take you wherever you want to go. But the most powerful teaching moments that I have had have come from engaging in someone else's perspective and going on a journey together. I love that and you've that, identified that. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. So anyway, that was, I thought that was a really, really great question that she asked. How do you help it not feel like an interrogation? Because if you do go, you know, linearly or whatever, and you have a scripted, you know, set of questions that you want to ask your goal, just like, you know, sometimes when you're having a conversation, you are preparing your reply while they're talking to you mm -hmm. in a teaching setting, you are often preparing your next point or preparing your next question right. while they're responding to you. Instead, you need to be saying, how do they see what it is that we're talking about and listen for that and then articulate that out loud back to them before going to the next question make sense okay so let me let me throw this out to you because i think that's you've identified what i've recognized but have didn't really understand at the time and probably until now um, I think I mentioned at one point Elder Bednar came and yeah. he had this, you know, multi-stake 
leadership thing that we all went to. And he asked, I think, three questions in two and a half hours. Yeah. That was it. He asked three. He said, okay. And he, what he would, he didn't have anything to teach necessarily. It wasn't a, I'm going to teach you this. It was, here's a question. What's your response? And we would give response. And each time he would say something along the lines of, so what I heard you say was, and for me as, as a listener to him at my response, not only did I feel like he got it, Mm-hmm. but in sometimes we would we would give him a response to the question and then he would say it and then he not only would do it for do it so that we could un, understand that he understood it but in a way he would very i don't know how he did this but he would add something just a little bit to it to help yeah. us put it into more of an eternal perspective in a way and yes. i was like whoa how did i, I mean you just said what I said, and and it opened up a whole new thought that I had never had about that, and it was it was pretty incredible. But ju- it was like two and a half hours of just doing that, and it was magical. Okay, so let me talk about that for just a second. So, one of the things that I talk to the missionaries about is what it means to connect with someone. Okay, mm. what I hear you describing is that you felt like you were more connected with Elder Bednar at the end of that. And it's obvious because you've talked about this before and this seems like it was a life-changing experience for you. Like it it literally has framed so much of your thinking in terms of your book and everything else too. Mm -hmm. So then he also probably felt so much more connected with the people that he was talking to who he didn't know from Adam before he walked in that room, 99.9% of them. So Brene Brown defines connection as this what uh this feeling that exists between people when they feel seen heard and valued and so i kind of latched on to those words and i thought about what does it mean to be seen what does it mean to be heard and what does it mean to be valued and i thought about those in terms of our relationship with the savior so do we feel seen do we feel heard do we feel valued? And and I can tell you that my experiences, when I've been going through the hardest times of my life, I have felt more seen, heard, and valued because I'm spending more time on my knees mm-hmm. and I'm spending more time listening. And I also am spending more time actually articulating, often out loud, the innermost feelings of my heart. And then I don't ever feel interrupted. I don't ever feel like, do you ever feel interrupted by God? Like, no, right? <laughs> you know, like, I never, off. <laughs> like, no. I know, I never feel like, like when I'm talking with God, that he is trying to get to the next thing. Yes. Like, see, they, they or, yeah. He doesn't have something next to say because that's right. Uh, your prayer time is about over, buddy. That's your right. Time, time limit. <laughs> No, I I gotta go to my next appointment. Yep. No, I, I have so many things to tell you, and you're not letting me tell you. So shut up, so that I can just tell you right now. I can tell you. Yeah, never, right. never, never, never. Notice that he wants you to drain it all, right? And then what happens? You are more receptive to what he has to say. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Heavenly Father gives us emotional air by listening. 
Hmm. That is beautiful. We are supposed to do the same thing for others. We give them emotional air by listening. And when we are listening with empathy, we help them feel seen in part because we are literally saying, here's your perspective. Let me now see if I can see it the same way. And that's, I feel, helps people feel seen. They feel heard because you've allowed them to speak and share. Mm -hmm. And they feel valued because you are validating that, yes, I heard you. What you have to say is important to me. Your feelings are important. Your prior experience is valuable and it can enrich my life. I want to know more. And so that type of connection that Heavenly Father beautifully models is the same way we ought to be treating other people. And people, the fruit of that is connection. The fruit of that is an increase in authenticity, the desire to be more vulnerable. And ironically, asking questions is exactly how you connect with people. But if you stop with questions, you will mess up. You have to then listen with empathy to their replies. And that's where they feel the connection. That's so well said. And I so that, that. That, that really speaks to me. That really yes. became important to me as I was talking to these missionaries, especially. And it really kind of sunk into my heart and soul, if you will. And so as I started thinking about how do we do that more effectively, and that, that goes back to the question of having it not be like, um, not feel like an interrogation. Right. We literally have to take the time and make the effort to see it from their perspective. Now, it became clear to me that I hadn't taught that super effectively, specifically in the first zone conference that I did, when right after the elders, uh, the, zone, the APs got up and they were running the elders and sisters through a role play an exercise. And they had all been asked to prepare like a street contacting um, experience, like that uh, teaching moment that you might have on the street, kind of out of the gate with somebody. And they got up and they were modeling this with another set of missionaries. And they asked a few questions to do this. They use questions to help teach a point. And, oh, that reminds me of another point that you just said that I want to make sure that I get back to and comment on. So really quickly, though, I'll finish okay. this. Um, so when they did that, the words that I heard coming out of the missionaries' um, mouths in response, so they would ask a question, the person would answer, and they'd be like, yeah, totally, I totally agree. Oh, yeah, oh, that's that's amazing, that's awesome. Yeah, okay, da-da-da-da. And they would just go to the next question. And I'm like, oh, man. So... I got permission from the mission president and I interrupted him. And I said, you know, tell me if on talking to the missionary that was basically playing the investigator, um, I said, tell me how you felt, you know, chatting with him, you know, tell me, tell me what it felt like as he would just kind of go to the next question. And it felt like he had a point to make, like he was trying to convince me of something. Right. And so I, challenge that it was the AP that was actually modeling it. And I said, what would happen if you were to repeat back what you heard him say instead of moving to the next question? And he's like, well, I thought that by kind of agreeing with him or saying, you know, making some kind of comment on what he made, I was empathizing. And I said, actually, in doing that, you are agreeing or disagreeing, or you're making some kind of a judgment on it. 
And I said, those are no-nos when it comes to empathy. That's your perspective. Right. You want to understand his perspective better. And so they were like, oh. And so we went through and did the exercise again. And so the next day, as I knew that they were going to set this up, I actually set it up for them and mm -hmm. taught the importance of kind of responding with empathy to those things instead of just moving on to the next question because it feels more like an interrogation or more like you're trying to convince somebody of something or make a specific point rather than having an experience with them. And especially, and somebody actually asked this question as well, missionaries come with like a neon sign that says missionary. Oh wait, it's a name tag. It's not a neon. And that to some people means they want to convert me. Right. And so the elder asked, how do we, we're kind of set up to fail out of the gate a little bit. How do we convince people that we're sincerely interested? Like, what do we, how, how do we do that? And I said, you convince people that you're sincerely interested by building trust, by taking a genuine interest in their perspective, rather than coming into a relationship, wanting to teach them something specific. As a missionary, you lead with something you want to teach. That's how you start the conversation. But then you immediately change your focus to perspective taking and try and understand it from their point of view. And that will show them by example, without you saying it, that you have more of an interest in connecting with them than in convincing them. That's almost the opposite take of what I think we have seen. And when we're on our missions, I, I think the, same, the exact opposite of that, because when we prepare as a missionary, when we prepare, to teach the gospel, we go, all right, we, we're going to meet with so-and-so. What should we teach them? Yes. That's the first thing, right? What should we teach them? We're going to teach them this. So we go yes. there and we look for any opportunity, any opening to go, okay, here we're going to teach you rather than we're going to connect with you. Yes. And when we connect with you, like you said, I don't remember if you said that just now or or when we were talking earlier or whatever, but when we connect with them, they almost just teach themselves. Yes. In a way, right? Yes, exactly. And that, that's a completely different perspective. I mean, if, if a missionary were to go in and say, I want to teach this person the first lesson and all they did in the first hour of being with them is just connect with them and get to know them and really build that trust, great. Right. We didn't get through the first lesson, didn't even touch the first lesson. Okay. But how do they feel? They don't feel like you, like that, like you're um, trying to convince them of, a, you know, convince them that their way is right and your way is wrong kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Because that is the danger that. Yes, that it is. We, we have that reputation, I think, with a good reason. Yes. And I remember like companionship study. We would study a principle and then as we were preparing, you know, we'd go through and then look at our schedule for the week. And it's so funny. I actually came across my blue books the other day. Like, oh, you did? Do you remember? Yeah. I kept all of them and it has wow. the names of the people. Yeah. It was so cool. That's pretty neat. But like we would look at our blue book and we would say, okay, here are all the people on our schedule. What do we want to teach them? And that was it. Not, hey, do you remember last time she talked about X? Let's think about how we might connect that to a gospel principle and answer a concern or help address something that they're going through. You can't do that unless you've connected with them and figured out what they're going through. Yeah. So I, I love that. 
I love that. Okay, so now I want to go back to something that you said because I thought it was really powerful. You were talking about Elder Bednar and you're like, I don't even know how he does it. But he would say, so what I hear you saying is, and then he would respond, repeating back to you what you said and in some way, like expanding on it in a way that like expands your mind. Yes. So I actually find as a teacher, when I'm standing up in front of a group, I hear something that somebody says, and I'm trying to understand it from their perspective. And as I'm articulating it back to them, I can see more. Mm. Like I, my mind is opened by what they have shared and it allows me to see more clearly what it was that I was teaching. And so this is not because I'm good at this, but I've had people say, wow, you said it so much better than I just said it. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I just said what you just said. Mm -hmm. But I think that we do. We say it so much. My dogs are loud. I'm sorry if you can hear That's them. Right. Um, like we almost, as we're trying to grapple with their perspective, because we're adding our perspective to it, the synergy in that empathic response is instructive in and of itself. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost, I know you don't want to bring your, your lens in on it, on, on what you're trying, you're trying to repeat back to them empathically and trying to understand and join them. Yeah. But it's, but when you do that, there's always some bit of you that yes. comes along with it, right? There's right. always some bit of you that kind of has to because you are you. And so you you. when you do that, as long as you're trying to look at it from their perspective and trying to look at it through their eyes, but there's also a bit of you in there, then they learned. And, and I think that's part of why they may say, you said it so much better. It's just because it may be articulated a little differently. Right. It's something that they hadn't thought of before. And they're like, well, yeah, that that makes more sense to you when when you thought you were just explaining it back to them. Right. Right. And so it's really kind of two perspectives converging in on one in a way. So I, I totally get that. That's, that's really interesting uh, because yeah. I hadn't thought of you're trying not to do it from your perspective, but in a way you kind of have to, but it, it really enriches it at the same time. You know what I'll say right? sometimes as I'm doing a hundred percent, that made sense. As I'm doing it, I will sometimes articulate it back to them, but then I'll say, can I add to that? Mm -hmm. And so you're not diverting, moving on to your next point. You are connecting what you heard them say to where you want it to go because you are still holding the map. And so it's actually really validating to someone if you say, can I add to that? Because I thought that was so, and you don't even have to say the words. You saying, can I add to that? Basically saying, because I thought that was so awesome. It's yeah. worth focusing on and building on. And so that's like the little voice in their head that goes unspoken is, that was so awesome. I want to build on it. Good. Can and I, so that's part of it, I think. Can I add something to that? That was just, you made my mind just go poof right there. It was beautiful. A little poof in my head. So. And in, in when you say, you know, subconsciously or even out loud, that was an incredible thought. Can I add something to that? Another way that I recognize that I have done that is to say, wow, okay, I've got another question for you then. 
and then ask another question. And it's not kind of a question pointed where I want to go, but it's a question that I want to know from their perspective. And when you ask them a question about their perspective, about what they mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of the automatically the same thing of, I thought that was really good. I want to know more. Tell me more. And right. they, they're like, oh, I feel valued. I feel like I, I'm worth something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. I love that you made that point. So in other words, you could either choose to build on it or you could say, you know, I want to ask you more about your perspective, basically. Yeah. That's fantastic. So here's here is something kind of interesting. I think... Um, I think that our goal as teachers needs to shift just a little bit. Tell me if you would agree with this. When you are, when you have a lesson prepared, it's not to teach what you prepared. Prepare the crap out of it, (laughs) right? Because you need to. Right. Your goal needs to shift to be, I'm so prepared, I can go wherever they want to go. That's right. And yes. I think that's really magical. But so, that's that's scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? You're going to be think about it. Think about the one thing you would have to do differently. You're the one thing is you would have to instead of just moving on when someone asks a question, stop yourself and say, "What did they just say?" Repeat it back. And could I build on that? Could I ask another question? One skill. Just that. Just mm-hmm. that. Stop yourself every time someone responds to a question. Make yourself say it back. And then, could I build on it? Could I ask a follow-up question? Or are we ready to move on? Like, that's it. That's your little decision tree. Yeah. Because you said earlier, um, and you brought up the point where so many teachers, I mean, even I do it. And I'm yep. sure you, we all do it, right? Where we just say that that's a great point, and then you move on because you got to get to the next topic, right? But being able to add a little bit to it or ask more questions about it, yep, and go where they want to go because you have prepared so much in the background, and that I think that's the hard. I think you're right. That's the hard switch in a teacher's mind. Yeah, I've prepared all this. Well, great. What are you going to use it for? Right. You're not going to use it to teach to them. You're going to use it to help connect with them and bring it out of them. It's exactly. the complete opposite reversal direction that you're that you're trying to go. Right. And and that's that's a difficult switch to make in someone's head. A hundred percent. You know what's odd though? And I've discovered this that when I make that switch, I actually often end up still getting through most of the lesson. Sure. Right. Because I'm connecting it, what they're saying to my next point. Like I I have, I'm prepared enough that I can say, oh, I can totally see how that connects to X. Like I have found in my life when I'm studying really hard for something, so many of my daily experiences and interactions with other people somehow connect with scripture that I've just read. I'm sure that everybody mm. who studies the scriptures on a regular basis has had this experience where you're like, why is everybody's experience somehow related to what I'm reading in First Nephi right now? Right. You know what I mean? That same thing happens when you're teaching. You're like, somehow every comment that people are making is really leading me to something else that I learned in all of my study and preparation. I don't know why I'm making a dorky voice while I say that, but you know. <laughs> 
It just is coming out of me naturally. I'm a dork naturally. Aren't you, we all? Does that kind of, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, but doesn't that kind of make sense? Yes. Like it just, and that <laughs> truly, that is the spirit working. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's very similar in function to listening general conference or sacrament yeah. meeting or other things like this yeah. or uh, a fireside EFY for yeah. or FSY, sorry, FSY, not EFY, FSY for the youth. They're sitting there listening. They're going, oh, but they're all taking away some, something different from it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's from their perspective. And when you can dive in, and, and we've seen this, where someone, you know, especially with the youth, when the youth get in that, they just want to blah. They, uh -huh. they, they want to say everything that's going on. And I love those moments because they're getting all these aha moments that you have actually probably had experiences with and you just kind of sit back and go, it's happening, it's hap it's working, right? <laughs> yes, and you can allow them to do that. And because you've had experiences, you can ask a follow-up question to help deepen uh, your understanding of where they're coming from or add a little bit to it because you've been there already, because yeah. you've prepared it already. Uh -huh. Right. And that exactly. I think you're right. That is the that is the real uh, value of all that preparation is to when they bring it out, when you're when they're able to articulate it, that you're able to help them expand it in the way that they need it expanded rather than I'm going to. And, and it feels so myopic when when we teach a topic and it's just this. Did everyone understand that? Okay, you got that? Good. Where do you go from there? I don't know. Um, right. Next topic? Sounds good. Right. right? Right. But but when it comes from them, it feels like there's a million ways you could go with that. And and because it's their thoughts, it's their feelings around it. And it's so outside of your brain sometimes. Right. That you couldn't have even predicted it. You couldn't have planned for it, which is why you've got to be flexible enough yes. to go there, right? Okay, okay, okay. Ready? Ready for this one? Yeah. Have you, I know you have. Why am I asking have you? I know you have. When you've done that with someone and you've gotten that deep and you're in a class, let's say, and, you've, and someone is just bearing their heart out and, and you're being empathic with them and you're going back and forth and then you can tell they're kind of max overload heart and mind. And they're like, whoa, I need to think about this. And then you say something along the lines of, have any of you had similar experiences? Because you know, other people in the room are having, are in the journey with you. And then all of a sudden it starts coming from them as well. And that's another way to expand it on top of their experiences, but to add different perspectives in. I know we, I think we do that on on a shallow level pretty pretty easily here what's the question does anyone have another answer but this is this is so much deeper, so much deeper. than that yeah so to make a point though you can't ask a question that's going to get at that kind of heart like purge out of the gate no you're and right. that's part of the Absolutely point of not. understanding all of these other things i think that sometimes people come in and say and Da, 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 factual factual and does anybody have an experience with this and i'm like my heart's not in this yet 
So part of why it's valuable to understand these different types of questions is because you literally are like priming the pump a little bit. You're saying factual, factual, okay, we're tracking together. We're tracking together. Okay, let's talk about an explanatory. Let's get at people's opinions. Let's make it safe to express. Let's safe, safe to share what's in here. They have to know it's safe to share what's in your head before they feel it's safe to share what's in their heart. And so that's part of why it's so important to understand the different types of questions is because you are literally building trust as you go through the types of questions that you ask so that you can get to those experiences where someone will then share it. And you know that people in that room are being like, oh my gosh, yes, I remember when, oh, and they're connecting in some way to what that person is saying. And so how appropriate to, to tap into all of that. I love right. that you brought that up. So let me ask you then, if someone is evaluating, they've, they've just had a lesson with a class, let's say. If someone is stepping back afterwards, they, they go home, they're thinking about it. How, how can someone tell? And I was going to ask if they've been successful. I, I think that's the wrong. How do they know if they've gotten to that level when they, when they step back and look at it? What kind of things are they thinking of? What kind of things are they remembering when they're at that level? Oh, I love that. So me personally, I'll answer it from my perspective. I'm remembering what people shared. I'm remembering things about them. I'm remembering feelings. I'm remembering like the, like I'm remembering my thoughts while they were sharing. I, I really do feel like it's, it is less about remembering the facts and it's more about remembering the insight that came with it. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? I agree. Yeah. Okay. okay let me ask what? a follow-up question though. Yeah. When you don't do so well and, and the class didn't get that deep and it, it is more facts. And when you go home, what do you think about the class? Oh, you mean like the zone conference? So I felt like I botched it. <laughs> For example, that one. <laughs> No, 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 not even botch it because really from there you're, you've learned, you learned a lot from it, right? Yeah. What if you yeah. just gave a normal class and just went, here are the facts. What do you think about the facts? Do you know any other facts? Okay, great, 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 great. Okay. This is how it goes. Okay. What do you think about this? Great. And then you go home. What are you thinking about, about the class afterwards? Actually, not much. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I probably yeah. don't ever think about it again. It probably never comes to my mind that I even taught that class ever again. And so why would you expect them to think any right? <laughs> They probably never remember that class either. And so as you were saying this, I think that that was, that's a big aha moment for me. If, if I come back thinking about that and thinking about the thoughts and feelings and their perspectives and their and I, I walk away sometimes going, man, I love them. They're so great. That is, and my love for them has grown, right? Then, yeah. then wonderful. But if I walk away and I never think about that class again, I probably can improve next time. Amen. You know what's so interesting? So I, I had this experience last, this last Tuesday. So yesterday, um, <laughs> where we were having a conversation and I realized something. So somebody in the class is studying to be a social worker and, or a mental health uh, counselor. And she's working on her master's right now. And she is studying about group therapy 
And she said, as I was studying about group therapy, she said, I realized that for me, Tuesday class is group, is group therapy, meaning this class that we have. Mm. And I was like, wow. And she said, because the characteristics that go into group therapy have to do with, you know, establishing a safe place where you can express it, giving other people the opportunity to talk to, you know, and all these different things. I've not studied it, but she said, I feel like what we have established in the culture of this class is like group therapy. And my insight from that is that it has just as much to do with the teacher as it has to do with the people that are there learning and because we're all learning together. And so not just do we need to be good teachers that are on the same page involved with and trying to create an experience together, but we can do a much better job as participants in class at making it safe for the other people that are in that class also. And I really just felt such a genuine love and appreciation for people bringing their real selves to the conversations. And so we can do better at that. You know, teachers are a little bit arrogant sometimes. And so when you are in a class and you're listening, sometimes you're judging when you shouldn't be. Instead, we need to be focusing on being the type of participant that helps to create that type of safe environment for other people. Us leading with a little bit of vulnerability can be exactly the thing that teacher needs to open up a really That's profound great. discussion. So just, just a side point there. That reminds me of a Leading Saints podcast that was not too long ago. A Sunday school teacher, I think in Washington State here. Oh, um, oh cool. And he said that he held, well, you know, there are teacher council meetings. He held... Yeah learner council meetings oh yeah you mentioned this right to help yeah. us learn how to learn better and be maybe even better participants that's kind of what i took out of it but i think i think maybe we should have a whole episode on how to learn hmm. writing that one down yeah how do we learn how do we be how do we become a better learner in not well i guess oh boy my mind is going crazy with this one could be a lot of different things could be just regular um uh like sacrament but it could be um classes it could be parent teacher or parent uh son daughter kind of thing spouses mm -hmm. yeah my mind is going in a lot of different directions now anyways I, i'm i'm picking up what you're putting down yeah yeah i like, I like that idea. side note that you have thank you very, very good little side note. That's um, can I wrap with just two little last Please, points yes. that I want to make sure? So these were also insights from this um, conversation. So as I was getting ready, I'm wagging a pencil now. Let's put the pencil down. <laughs> Don't be aggressive. Um, as I was getting ready for this, uh, you and I had a little bling, bling, bling. Hello, Kevin. Can I please have some help? Um, conversation. And I said, I want to help them have an experience right? With um, preparing some questions. And so I said, in order to do that, I feel like I need to model it. And I said, here is the principle that I want to teach. And then I said, and here are some of my questions that I'm thinking about. And you and I spent more than 30 minutes on the phone trying to come up with better questions. And we both study this stuff. Right. And I thought, oh, so I have two You taught me something in that conversation that I want to just make this point. And then I want to make one more point about how um, preparing questions can be used. So 
the first point was you said to me, what's the point you want to make? And I was like, well, I want to teach this principle. And you're like, well, what's the point you want to make? And I'm like, oh, we have to be really clear as to what the point is that we want to make. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I said just a second ago, you don't want to be the person saying, hello, little chickadees fall in line, da, 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 da. But you still are leading, you are holding the map. You need to know the destination. You got to have a destination. Right. And so as you're studying and preparing, being more specific about the point that you're trying to make, not broader, will help you to have a better lesson. So good. Yes. Okay. And it will help you better prepare questions. Second, as you are preparing, it's a little bit overwhelming to me sometimes to study and then go, okay, now what are the questions I want to ask to get this done and starting with questions? So I actually do the opposite. What I actually do is I kind of outline my lesson mm -hmm. and then I look at the questions that naturally come up and I have them written out. So I have notes in front of me and I go back and I read all the questions. And I say, hmm, that's a lot of factual or explanatory questions or whatever. What was my real takeaway introspective question here? And I often find that I'm lacking that. Hmm. And so one of the ways that I've been able to really improve my lessons lately is to do an eval post preparation of all of the questions that I've included. So instead of getting hung up, on the types of questions that I'm gonna ask as I'm preparing, I actually just naturally prepare and then go back and give them the once over and say, could I ask an introspective question here when I was asking one that just kind of got at their thoughts about it? Could I get at what's what their heart might say about it? And so for example, I was talking this last week about like contrasting the paradigm of Laman and Lemuel with Nephi. And I was talking about a paradigm in terms of, you know, their experiences, all the things that they had in their minds, the influences that they were choosing to listen to, um, the different types of things, like the stories that they were writing. Like Nephi takes time in the scriptures to describe to us the perspective and the story that Laman and Lemuel have written about their circumstances while in the wilderness. Oh, if we were back in Jerusalem, it would have been so much better because we could still have our rich, you know, I say it with a whiny voice, but the tone there is a little whiny. So we can study like he took the time for a reason and i think it's because their responses aka tying him up beating the snot out of him things like that mm -hmm. came from somewhere people's behavior comes from somewhere and so he kind of outlined the paradigm so we have these two explicitly spelled out stories nephi's perspective or story and then layman and lemuel's and so as i'm going through this and we're contrasting it i'm asking people lots of explanatory and factual questions. And then I was like, so what? Like I literally got done with my lesson and I was like, so what? Interesting. And so I went back through and I started asking questions like, okay, so we now understand what a paradigm is. We now can look at these two and we were about to apply it to a, you know, the experience when Nephi's bow broke and the experience when they, you know, found the Liahona and the experience when Nephi was asked to construct a ship and the experience of, you know, all those experiences comparing their paradigms and then their responses. So I'm like, think about what is, what would you, how would you describe your paradigm when it comes to life? Like, this is kind of Nephi's paradigm. This is Laman and Lemuel's. How would you describe yours? 
And I thought, you know what, that's actually a good question because it made me think about what influences my paradigm? How would I describe it? And I mm. found that if people started to answer, they definitely didn't have the same answer. Some people are really driven by, for example, gratitude. Some people are really driven by a paradigm of trust and Heavenly Father, you know, gratitude for their blessings versus trust, you know. And so it really created a much more heartfelt discussion about how powerful a paradigm is. That's way more important than actually contrasting the two paradigms. <laughs> and that was because I went back through and really tried to say, those were really good questions. <clears throat> and it kind of went, wah, wah. Right. When I got to the end of the lesson, I'm like, well, so what? What's the purpose? So that, yeah. So those are the two things, making sure you have a really clear purpose and then recognizing that you can actually go back once you're prepared and like judge your own questions. Think about them a little bit. And that was that's one of the reasons it's so powerful to understand those different types of questions as well. That's good. So as you go back, am, am I understanding this correctly? As you go back and kind of do a post-mortem on your class and the questions you asked, you're recognizing what questions, kind of questions you did ask, what kind of questions you didn't ask, maybe something that you think you could have done better. And then next time as you prepare, it just helps you that much more out of the gate, prepare better. Is that is that correct? Actually, no, that's not what I was saying. So you did such a good job of empathizing on that because I heard you say a lot of what I said, but you actually- And I got something different, you know? yeah. Because of the empathy, now I have the chance to correct you and you made a really great point. So yes, post-mortem is a great time to do it so you can improve upon it next time. I'm actually talking about doing it before you teach the class. Oh, you're okay, I'm gotcha. Saying, oh, yeah, gotcha. I'm saying go through and say, here's what I have prepared. Now let me improve upon it. That's gotcha. part of developing this flexibility too, is saying, if I have really good questions, the conversation's gonna go where they want it to go. And we didn't actually get through 90% of what was in here but we got through a lot of heart stuff and application and they could pull out oh in our reading this also applies here oh and in our reading i remember reading this as i was preparing and oh what we're talking about applies here so they connected a lot of those dots for me as we were going through and so it's not just post-mortem though that is a great time to do it it's actually before you teach yes. but after you've prepared gotcha yes i love that yes thank you that makes so much more sense okay because i thought i think i'm missing something here and that 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 makes so much more sense I love there you that. go so okay. can i just summarize really quickly kind of the three things that Please. i yes. feel like we talked about because i didn't know exactly where we were going to go but i knew the point i wanted to make so the three kind of concrete suggestions that I would say we have, and I'm going to flip the order that we talked about them in. Okay? okay. One of them and starting kind of at the end of what we just talked about is make sure that you clearly know where you want this to go. Like what is the point you want to make and make it very specific. Okay. The second is after you've prepared your lesson, go back and give it a second over and evaluate your own questions and see if you can improve upon them. And then the third suggestion is as you ask questions, make your goal 
B, to stop when people respond, repeat back to them what you heard them say, and either build upon it, ask a follow-up question, or make a conscious decision that everyone feels ready to move on. Okay, those are the three concrete suggestions that I would have based on what we've been talking about today. Okay, I've got to tell you something, Julie. This is, this, I, I, I didn't want to do this. I did something yesterday that I felt was a little conceited, but I was like, no, it's, it's not. It, I truly, I'm, I'm doing this from my heart. So my wife and I were driving and we were listening to the, well, she was listening to the podcast that we had just put out that day, yesterday. Oh, yeah. And so she goes, oh, you don't want to listen to yourself. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I thought, yeah. wow, that's conceited. But it, it's not because of that. It's because the discussion we were having was so powerful for me that I wanted to hear it again. I wanted to learn. I, I wanted to hear those principles again and let them sink in deeper. And so I was kind of being a little bit selfish there. And I said, oh, and we were sitting there in silence as we were driving for a second. I just reached over and went, play. <laughs> and hmm, yeah, that sounds really, that seems really weird that I'm playing myself and I'm listening to Julie and I still speak. But there are still things that hit me really deeply in some of these discussions that I want to go back. And, and, and I feel that way about this one. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again. And probably a couple times, maybe, I don't know, maybe even more. I feel that I feel like there is so much in here that I took away from it that I can't even, I can't even get out. And I want to go back and make sure that I'm doing specific things correctly. So thank you. This was no, great. No, I, I feel the same way. Like, this is what I was talking about when I said at the very beginning, as a teacher, like, because you and I are basically guiding this discussion, right? And we're hoping that other people are listening and feeling like you know, we're in it with you. Like we are yes. feet on the ground, walking the same walk, trying to talk the same talk, trying to work together to improve. And as we talk, I learn more. Like right. as words are coming out of my mouth, I am learning. And so I do feel that same way. Like as we teach, we should constantly be learning. We should be challenging ourselves and we should be growing along with those that we are working to help come closer to Christ. Yes. And as you said at the very beginning, you said, let's have an experience. I felt like I had an experience. And I hope everyone who's listening will have an experience as well. And they will have their own aha moments and the spirit will teach them. Uh, because again, the spirit, that's really what we're trying to do. Bring in the spirit so they, so the spirit can teach them. Yes. And it comes from within them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. If you would love, share, subscribe, notification, all that good stuff. Share this with your co-teachers. Share this with other teachers of your, maybe of your kids or just of your side. I know that sound, that, was, that would sound weird though. You need to be a better teacher. You need to, not like that. <laughs> I don't want you to do that, but share this with others so that they can learn also what we're all learning all together. Thanks for coming along. Thank you, Julie. This was wonderful. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank everyone. you.